and welcome to another episode of G220 Radio. This is Ricky Gantz along with Mike Miller and Natty P. This is episode number 458. We're going to be talking about the song Sovereign Love for Reckless Ones. Uh, and we've got uh, a guest from Jesus Wannabes with us. And so we're going to get into this conversation here tonight. Mike, how are we doing? Mike, you got to unmute yourself. No, I don't. That's your job. You're the host. Mm. I'm Story I'm excited to time. learn more about Ricky's favorite song. As many of you know on G220 Radio, how Ricky enjoys Reckless Love by Bethel or the joke thereof. And so, no, it's excited. Uh, I think I first shared this with you two. I don't know if you heard it beforehand. No, you was the on one our, that shared this song with us. Yeah. So um excited now to have um, a member here and to talk about it. Yeah. Nathaniel, how we doing, brother? Man, three years ago, my life it just was wrecked because the worst and most earwormy song of all Christian music came out. And I'm just so excited uh, that my life has improved thousandfold because uh, we're, we're going to talk about reckless or uh, sovereign love for reckless ones tonight. And I'm just ever so excited. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so as we we talked about, we're, this is the topic of the show: sovereign love for reckless ones. We've shared the the song on G220 Radio. We've shared it uh, on our personal uh, pages. Some of us have, and and so it's out there, and you can see it. Uh, and we have with us from Jesus wannabe wannabes, uh, Leon, uh, sorry, Leonardo, Ernstein, Ernstein. <laughs> I always <laughs> mess it Aaron up. Stein? Forgive me, Ernstein. Forgive me. Forgive me. It's all right. It's all right. So how are you, brother? I'm doing good, brothers. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. Why don't Excited you... to talk about this with you guys. Yeah, well, we're, we're glad to have you on. Like um, like we said, Mike shared this with us. Uh, I, I grew up with a lot of different influential musical backgrounds. My dad was really big in Beatles music when I was growing up, and so he played you know, rock and roll, which at the time was um, lighter than it may be today. Um, but then as I was kind of growing through school, I was listening to all kinds of different genres. I listened to heavy metal. I listened to rap. I listened to a lot of music. Um, as I've gotten older, I, I've listened to less of some of those musics. Although um, years ago, I came across reformed rap and I was like, this is really good. You know, this is good music. It's, it's uh, Shylin and, and, and some of these uh, artists were really putting in their song great theological content. And it was good artistically as well. Mm. And um, so I, I haven't really been into much of a heavy metal, um, but Mike shared this with us. And I was like, man, I really like this, this song. You know, um, I can get into this and listen to this. Uh, and uh, so I'm excited to have you on the show for that reason and to talk to you about it. And some of the other music that you're, you're, you're putting out there, I, I seen you have uh, going through Ephesians. And you you wrote a song on that, and so uh, that that's that's really interesting as well. So hopefully we get to talk about some of those things here tonight. Uh, but why don't you go ahead and share with us a little bit about yourself, a little, a little bit about your upbringing, a little bit about your uh, faith background, how you came to Christ, and uh, you know where where you are, maybe what you're doing uh, within the church that you're you're in now. Sure, man. Well, thanks. Um, it's funny you mentioned Shylin because that's kind of how the whole thing started. A friend um 
uh, showed me some tracks, Shylin, Beautiful Eulogy, that kind of stuff. And I was like, man, we got to do this stuff in metal, man. Um, but I basically grew up, um, you know, kind of just nominal Christianity. And um, I've always gone to church, you know, attended uh, the church on Sundays and kind of, but my life was always kind of just the, the typical being a Christian is believing in Jesus, believing that he died for my sins and, you know, going to church on Sunday, but there wasn't really a connection between that and my everyday life. So, um, it wasn't until probably around like six, seven years ago where I could really tell that something started happening. You know, there started to be kind of more a conviction of sin and realizing, you know, I was being hypocritical um, at the time, kind of, you know, I was just trying to be a rock star and uh, be famous and, you know, tour all over the place. And, uh, we, we did a couple of, um, we did a lot of like important shows over here in Mexico. Um, and, um, yeah, it was kind of just this moment where I realized that there were specific sins or like a patterns of sins that I knew, weren't normal anymore, you know, normal anymore, even according to, you know, society, like not even thinking as a Christian, I was like, man, like everybody does this kind of stuff, but I feel like I'm kind of over the top, you know, I'm kind of getting a little bit excessive. And so for me, it was kind of like, I, I, I don't know if, if it was just like the Christian background, but I was like, I think, I, I think I need to look for answers in the Bible. Um, Cause I can't stop. Like I, I can't get out of this stuff. And I started getting into the, in, into the, into the scriptures more so read like listening to sermons, reading articles, you know, that were uh, Bible related and stuff. And, and then all of a sudden it was like, man, I thought I only had one problem. <laughs> now it's like, you know, I'm messed up <laughs> all over the place, all across the board from a to Z. I'm just, I'm a wreck and I need help, you know? And, um, I kind of went through that too, where it was like what you were saying, Ricky, about, I just, I just cut everything out of my life, at least in, in, and I mean, that was for me and that included all that kind of music included my band included all the, all the, all the plans and stuff. And, um, and it was just like, man, I, I just want to just pursue the Lord and do whatever I can to, you know, inside the church. And I started I plugged into a church immediately. Um, I don't know if wrongfully started serving immediately, started, you know, helping lead worship. And um, it was a kind of a slow transition, but there was a point where it was like, boom, I'm done. I'm just, you know, going straight, straight after Jesus and I'm done with this life. And um, in that inter, I met, I met um, my wife. We got married two years, two years later, almost two years later. And, um, now we're plugged in to the church where we actually met. We met there around like, so she's seven years younger than I am. So when I met her, I was 16. She was like nine. So, <laughs> so when people ask me if it was love at first, first sight, I'm always like, not really. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we, we kept, we reconnected cause I, we, so we basically grew up in that church here uh, together. Um, but then I kind of went to a daughter church and 
but we started re reconnecting. She was going through something similar. Um, and so we got married, you know, the Lord brought us together kind of in the, we were obviously at different ages, but kind of in the same season of life in a sense. And so that was super interesting. And, um, so we're just plugged into the church ever since. And, um, just, yeah, trying to do whatever we can striving for, um, mainly our kind of main thing is creating resources in Spanish, uh, for, uh, Latin America. Um, so we have a, a whole kind of ministry website kind of uh, stuff going on for, for that. Um, but, and I was actually about to delete the Jesus wannabes thing. I don't know if you guys noticed, but like I uploaded that reckless love song last year and mm -hmm. I think it was December 24th. Um, and the song before that, I think, I don't even know how many months it was before. So I only had two tracks and I was kind of coming to this point in my life where I was like, uh, I really want to really focus and, and get more stuff done. And I don't want distractions. And I just thought that that thing was stupid. I was like, Oh, nobody even cares. It's just there, you know, a couple thousand views, not really blessing or edifying anybody. So I actually programmed my Facebook page on deletion. Um, and then like two days after that, I start getting like follows on Instagram, which I never use, like literally never use. I had to learn how to use it. I was like, what, what's this story stuff? Like, you know, I only had like five or six pictures or whatever that I had posted years ago. Um, so then I was just like, it was actually kind of a, a challenge because I actually thought that what if I'm not supposed to pursue this? And this thing is kind of just, you know, maybe a temptation that I'm supposed to like deny, you know, cause I was about to, I, I had it on deletion, you know, Facebook takes like 14 days to delete your pet, your page. And then I was like, man, and I saw, so I just started blowing up, you know, all these hits, people messaging me and um, sending me stuff, like wanting to sponsor stuff. I'm like, what is going on? Right. But I was really encouraged by, um, you know, I talked to my wife about it and she was really encouraging. And I was encouraged to see that there was people that were really blessed by it, leaving aside it going, you know, as viral as it went, you know, and, you know, whatever, whatever the, the magnitude was just to me, it was like, man, there's people that really um, are blessed by this stuff. And I, I feel I've always, I'm really passionate about that kind of music. Um, I feel like the Lord's given me a gift in kind of developing that kind of music and producing that kind of music. So it was like, man, maybe it's worth uh, doing. And then I also have this kind of like, I mean, I'm, I don't consider myself post mill. Um, I don't consider myself any mill yet. <laughs> haven't <laughs> haven't sorted that out yet. But I really, I I really appreciate the way that kind of thought of sub like putting everything under Christ's lordship, you know. And so that kind of also was like, man, why why do you know pagans get to keep the music I love, you know, music I'm passionate about, you know? And hearing Shy Lin and these artists come up with this stuff was like. No, we can make good quality music and exalt Christ and glorify Christ. It, they're not going to take it away. So I was just like, man, let's do it. And so I, I actually just started getting more serious about it until all of this kind of, you know, started happening. So it was more just of a hobby, but that's where we're at. <laughs> I think what's, what's interesting about that is, you know, when you look at Christian art, over the years, 
it just hasn't been really good. Right. So mm. you, you think of like I grew up, like I said, I was listening to rap music and, and different heavy metal bands and just different kind of genres over the years. And when you would listen to something that was an alternative, like something that was Christian, that somebody was recommending. I remember um, now I, I'm I'm 44. So this is going back. But um, I mean, I guess they're still around, so it's not really going too Petra. far back. No, not Petra. I was talking about DC Talk. You know, when somebody was oh, like, "Oh, you yeah, like rap? Okay. Here's DC Talk. Check this out." <laughs> oh, and I'm like, man. "This is horrible." Right? No, come on, man. <laughs> Dare to talk bad about the Jesus freaks. But I'm saying, well, before I'm just talking about the rap of it. When you when you're listening to rap and then you hear something like this, you're thinking, "Okay, this isn't good." You think of movies, like a lot of Christian movies, they're just bad artistically. But mm. then when I came around. Um, or started to listen to, you know, the, the Christian rap that was out there by the guys like Shylin, you know, many of the others that are out there. Um, I was like, this is really good quality artistic music. You know, they're really putting something out. And the same goes for a lot of different genre of, of, you know, Christian music. And I'm like, there, there really is some good stuff out there, you yeah. know? Um, and, and I'm not post mill either. Um, but at the same time, I do understand and appreciate that. Hey, let's, let's not let them take over all these things. We can enjoy them as well. But I think it comes to Christians making that good art, you know, not saying, well, let's just be like this group or this other, you know, worldly group and sound just like them. Let's do something artistically and let our artistic, you know, talents flow out. Um, and I think that's, go ahead. I don't know, Ricky. It's just a shame to hear you and so many other people comment on Christian art like that with that it's not good because it really shows how much we've lost our heritage. Um, if you go back, even in like the Baroque period, you have uh, somebody like Bach signs all his, his music SDG because he's got a patron. Um, and even, even it's like secular stuff, I guess. Um, he's still writing it for the the glory of God, and you got all these Christian composers. You've got I, I'm not uh, an art guy, but I, I'm sure Christian like painters and sculptors, and like sure sure you got some people that were um, patrons. Uh, uh, their patron was the uh, the the Roman Church and stuff uh, farther back, but it just shows that when we have this opinion, this that's a very valid opinion that especially in our country, Christian art is not good. Um, it just, I, th- I think it shows that we've lost our heritage of being excellent for the King. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Because the, what you mentioned there, when you look earlier throughout church history, you see what these guys are contributing to the body, all the great classical hymns that we have, um, just m- many great artistic uh, talents being brought forth. But then you get into this modern time, especially here in America, where a lot of it is just a remake of something secular. And let's put a Christian spin on it. And so that's kind of, you know, um, where we start to see, I think we've started to see this kind of breakdown, but there are great artists who are making good music. So when when you um, were, were doing this, this song for or, uh, this cover of Reckless Love, was that your intention to say, you know what, I'm going to start making cover music of other people's bad theological songs? Or was it just, I'm going to put this out there, but I really have intentions to do other stuff? Um, no, I mean, my my initial 
uh, kind of idea for the for the project or whatever was more. I, I started with the Ephesians two track, and I was um, kind of more focused on that and leaning towards that. And most of the lyrics to the uh, to the Sovereign Love uh, version thing was actually an adaptation that we did to sing at the church. Mm. So, so it was kind of like, Hey, what if we grabbed that song and, you know, we twisted it and changed it and, you know, made it theologically correct and then whatever, but it was just that. And so, um, and people really enjoyed it at church. And it was like, man, and people, some people hadn't even heard the, the original, Mm -hmm. you know? So it was like, Oh, whose song is that? It's like, don't listen to the original just stay away. (laughs) Um, but, it wasn't until a friend of mine, he was like, Hey, what would you think about? Cause I'd showed him, uh, the, the Jesus wannabes, uh, the Ephesians two track uh, that I had. And he was like, Hey, what, what do you think about doing like a ma- uh, a mash between like rock metal with some rap, but like correcting heretical songs. And I was like, but it was more just like for fun. I was like, Oh, why well, I I've already done like a, a remake for for reckless love and so all i did was add that extra uh pre-chorus kind of rap thing mm-hmm. uh before the chorus everything else is pretty is identical to how we were singing at church only that instead of saying sovereign love we would sing wondrous love but everything else was like the bridge and all the other modifications um were pretty much what we were just doing at the church um but I just wanted, I just thought Sovereign was, was going to nail it, hit it, you know? Yeah. Now, now was <laughs> that, the, was that the same music that was behind how you sing it in church? Oh, I'm, no. I'm trying to, I'm trying to comprehend <laughs> no, no, how no, you, no. How you no, corporately. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that was just the adaptation. My friend was like, Hey, you should try doing this thing. And I was like, Oh man, I think I could do something interesting musically to, you know, make it you know, more my own. I mean, and at the end of the day, I, there was a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of good comments in, in the, when the video was up, um, there was some bad comments obviously. And, um, not trying to defend myself or anything, but I was like, some people were like, man, you just like stole the song and whatever. I was like, listen to the music. I mean, I made that the only thing yeah. that's there is just a little, you know, arrangement that, yeah, that that's Corey's, but everything else, I mean, that was original in a sense, you know what I'm saying? It was obviously inspired off of the, uh, the melody and everything, but, but yeah, the, the music obviously was not anything close to that in the church. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to admit, I have never listened to reckless love before. Uh, really? I've listened to your song. Uh, so, you know, in fact, Ricky kept talking about it. I'm like, I really shouldn't because I stopped listening to Christian radio like years yeah. ago. I mean, I'll still listen to like eighties. I still listen to some punk rock, um, filtering it. Um, in some cases, but yeah, I still can't bring myself to listen to reckless love. And so You're good. it's kind of funny, <laughs> um, you know, to, to think about that and just having, I mean, covers happen all the time on YouTube. Yeah. Mm. Now, I know Nathaniel wanted to, to talk about this, but you got a copyright strike 
or yeah. a DM or whatever a strike against it to pull it down. Mm-hmm. Did you ever figure out why? Was it just because you took the tune instead of having like the parody the the cover, which is fairly prominent on the YouTube platform? Well, the thing is, I mean, I wasn't really educated on the topic. Um, you know, I, I just thought the same way is that, you know, there's so many covers on YouTube, you know, and people just write under the video, these, this doesn't belong to me. I'm not going to monetize the video. I'm not going to make money off of it. It's just there. Um, so YouTube basically just flags the video and tells you, I mean, in this case, just told me Bethel, um, music publishing or something like that, uh, reported your video therefore we removed it and then they give you a couple of steps that you could take if you think that you were still within um the parameters to do it but turns out i ended up talking to a copyright lawyer in the u.s and it's actually kind of interesting because what i was thinking is kind of backwards to you can't like you can't make a cover of any song without the permission of the artist Hmm. um so my idea, I don't know if they personally, you know, found the video, heard about it and then deleted it. I do know, for example, somebody, somebody sent me an, uh, a picture of an inbox talking from one of the guys from Elevation Worship, sending him the song. I was like, oh, I just sent it to my friend and whatever. So I do know potentially it could have gotten to them. So I don't, but I don't know if it was just kind of like a bot thing that identifies, I don't know, after a certain number of plays and then they just like, you know, strike you down or if it was more of a, Hey, we found the video and, you know, somebody actually uh, deleted it because I do know that there's, you know, um, what do you call it? Some kind of like system that will identify the song and bring it down, whatever. But so it turns out that you can't just cover any song and upload it. The artist has total rights and he can knock you down whenever and at whatever time he wants. But the, the interesting part was, that you can grab any song and make a parody out of it. So you can change the lyrics if the lyrics are to contradict what the original song says. And that's called fair use. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking back, I was like, now, of course, my cover is not going to be legal because I changed the lyrics. Well, it turns out that my cover was more legal. Um, because I was actually grabbing the song, changing the lyrics, and I was, in a sense, criticizing Corey Asbury. Um, so the guy gave me like a whole statement, but it was kind of funny because the guy didn't pick up on it. And I mean, it's obviously because of the theological problems. Mm-hmm. He heard it and originally. He was just like, no, nah, you, you definitely don't have a case for it. This makes no sense. Like, I mean, you're not going to win. So just leave it at that and. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. But then he sent me another email. I was like, hey, wait a second. Are you saying something different? Because I kind of just, I started picking up on some stuff that maybe you you are saying. And I explained, you know, well, the thing is, you know, theologically, you know, he's saying God's reckless. I'm saying God's sovereign. They're totally opposite. So I'm contradicting him. And I explained a bunch of things. He was like, oh, you have a case. So he gave me like um, kind of a, a message to send to YouTube to a counter notification um youtube received it and they were like you, the other party has 10 days to sue you um or and if they don't show us that they sued you then the video goes back up i was like oh okay cool but then youtube sent me a an email saying um we don't see how 
you actually have a case for fair use. So I just left that at that because I, I felt like first, I don't, I don't care about fighting for this. And at the same time, how am I going to like these guys probably don't even get get what's being communicated in the song. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going to send another email. It's going to be a waste of time. Um, and it's not really what I want to be known for anyways. Like, oh, the guy who grabs people's songs and, you know, calls them out. It's like, I mean, people's made careers out of that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's my age again, but I think of Weird Al Yankovic. Not putting you in the same category <laughs> yeah. as Weird Al. But I think I of, mean, you know, go back to, you know, his covers of he, Michael Jackson and so many. He has his latest album, which is now, what, four years old? He said he was, he had recorded a song and he basically went to a concert to an artist, the song that he parried to get the permission to do it so they could release the CD. Like it was already recorded wow. on it. He needed the 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 signature to say, Yeah, it's okay to use my song. Hmm. You know, I didn't so. really realize how big that was, even within churches. Like I didn't I didn't know this until about a couple years ago. Um, that the a church that I was in, the pastor had said they have to pay for like some type I don't remember what it was called, some um license thing to be hmm. able to sing some of these songs, you know, like that from these groups. And uh, I thought that's strange to me because I'm thinking we're Christians, right? I mean, it's if somebody writes a good song and it's theologically sound and you're, you're singing it to glorify the Lord, what do you need to have a license for to sing somebody else's song? But it's, I don't know, strange. Yeah, the rules are convoluted in that point because you can sing any song you want to in a church service. And it's no copyright. You don't have to pay anything. So yeah. like when Leonardo sings the song in church, it's completely fine. And even if Bethel is there and they see you rip their tune, they can't do anything because it's within a church service, at least in America, with the First Amendment. Now, when you start posting lyrics or streaming music and lyrics, that's when you start paying for licenses. Mm. Um. I already know this because of COVID. I had to do hmm. research on this for live streaming. Does, does, does that include the lyrics projected on the screen? So lyrics right. projected on a wall or screen or anything like that has to be, you have to have a license to do that. Yeah. And that gives you the license to, so, and even like handing out pieces of paper with the lyrics on it hmm. is also in that. Now you get away with that with hymns. If you have a hymn, it's already copyrighted. We put the hymn number on there so that people can open up the hymn book and read the music. Um, now, that doesn't work when you consider like old hymns that are no longer copyrighted. So only copyrighted music does that apply. But old yeah. hymns don't, which is why maybe churches should start singing old hymns more. Mm -hmm. Some freedoms there. Co no copyright infringement rules. And so, yeah, it's... It's definitely a trap to get stuck into. As a tech guy at my church, it was kind of something I had to, um, had to learn, learn and study. And and rules that apply to a church service doesn't apply to like a retreat or anything else like that. They're very specific. So only an act of service can that be done. But if you're doing like a men's retreat, you still have to pay all the licenses and fees and stuff like that. So, 
Yeah, I, I learned with uh, YouTube um, also a couple years ago when we were uploading old episodes of G220 Radio because we had music on the show. We had artists on the program before that said, yeah, you can use our you know song to, to let it play and, and um, you know talk about it. And then when it went to YouTube, they were flagging me. And I'm like, what am I getting flagged for? Because they have those, I don't know, bots or whatever mm. that hear something that sounds similar uh, or they catch it and they say, this is a song here. And the same thing, like I was like, I don't really want to deal with any hassle here with the G220 radio episode. We'll just, we won't put that one on YouTube. We'll just leave it up on our, uh, you know, podcast um, catcher. But uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a learning experience. It has been um, for us, you know, with, with all the new technology, which is great, but um, sometimes uh, there's things you, you find out after the fact. Yep. Going back to the, uh, your song here, um, what, you know, you mentioned a little bit about how, um, you know, you sing at church, you rewrote the, um, the lyrics to it. Um, what were some of the things that when you're reading through lyrics, which we don't always tend to think about when we're listening to music that was just kind of shocking like of how bad of a theology it actually was or how hmm. i know sometimes like um i've read stuff and i'm like well i can agree with that statement if i nuance it this way but they're obviously nuancing it this other way and i can't agree with that like some of the, what are kind of some of that that you saw um in it because i think a lot of people including myself would say well they're just it's just soft, but not really bad. Like hmm. the reason Bethel is bad is because of Mike or Johnson, or whoever is on the stage in his um, new apostolic, you know, teaching. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, apart from apart from the from the word "reckless," right? By definition, and how that doesn't fit within you know, the character of God. Um, I, I mean, I see maybe like two or three other issues, which is overall, I think the song is more about making me feel important mm -hmm. than it is about exalting God. And so, I mean, I have the lyrics right here, but for example, when I was your foe, still your love fought for me, right? I was like, that's true. You know, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, mm -hmm. right? Then the next line says, when I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. So it's like, okay, I felt no worth. You paid it all for me. So what are you, you implying that I'm just worth a bunch? Like, I felt no worth, but you're telling me I'm worthy. I was like, no, in spite of, and that's in the lyrics, right? I, 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 we wrote unworthy as I am, right? So, and, and the whole bridge thing, it's, there's no shadow. You won't light up mountain. You won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall. You won't kick down lie. You won't tear down coming after me. You know, it's like, so it's just all of this beautiful romantic stuff that God is willing just to come after me because I'm worth it, you know? So it gives you this kind of sensation of like, 
you're kind of worshiping God because he makes much of you. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Rather than making the song to make much of God. And at the same time, um, obviously, you know, there's, and I could give that, give that to him in the sense, in a sense, but like, you know, but I think the definite atonement is definitely at stake here because he's, you know, he implies even the article you sent where he gives the whole explanation. He's like, Oh, but he just risks all of this stuff trying to see if maybe somebody will respond. Right. You know, so you're losing definite atonement, but if you don't, you know, we can leave that aside. It's more about me than it is about God. And then at the same time, I feel like the song humanizes God's love, mm. you know? So he looks at God, God's love as a human in the way of, Oh, he leaves the 99, which I mean, that's a whole different um, thing. I don't even think that the night, I think that the 99 are the Pharisees in the whole concept the ones that don't require repentance. And I think that Jesus is calling them out. That's a, that's a different topic, but even if they are part of the fold, he, he makes God a, a man by saying he risks 99 to go get another one. It's like, so God is not omnipresent as like he leaves 99. And so now we can't take care of those. How, how does he feed all the animals? You know, if you can only be in one place at one time after while he goes for, for you, he's risking the other. So it's kind of like, that's not the way God is, you know, and he doesn't have to. And that's, I feel like the whole bridge kind of is the same thing. There's no shadow. You won't light a mountain. You won't climb up. So he does all the impossible to get to us. It's like, bro, God speaks things and they happen, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's kind of like. All this stuff that he has to go through to get just because I'm, you know, he's just so in love with me. And so I think that those are kind of the, I guess, like three or four problems that I see with the song. And so kind of just wanted to turn those things around um, with the remake, I guess. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, I think, no, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I think, you know, that's important. Our theology matters and we talk about you know those phrases they am i like unworthy well yes but how they they try to make it almost if you want to talk about an atonement theory maybe even more of a ransom theory is what they're putting out you know in that i think it's important because when we read the psalms so kind of what god's given us um, and what Israel sung, you don't have, you don't have that idea. You know, you have the God calling God down to help you and to save you, but it's in recognition of who God is. You know, hmm. you know, he says his reckless love is seen most clearly in this, that he gets hurt over and over. And, you know, you mentioned it, well, God doesn't get hurt. Because, right. as your song Pillar says, he's sovereign. Yeah, the verse, he knows the beginning to the end. He controls all of history. So how is he getting hurt? Um, Plus, you've this... wanted to do the show on impassibility for a while. Yeah, so... <laughs> the, the longstanding never-going-to-do-impossibility show. Um, you know, God is doesn't have 
feelings like we have feelings. Um, in fact, yeah. he doesn't have feelings. He doesn't make him a stoic in any means. But, you know, I think and that's um, important. Songs are very powerful tools. The reformers knew this. Luther knew this. The, songs the, are very the longest powerful. book in the Bible is, is songs. Yeah. yeah. Right. They're great teaching tools. And when you think of what worship songs do within, even in a context of worship, they're teaching you theology and how to mm -hmm. think and to, to bring back concepts to be with you, to support hopefully the message. And when you consider, you know, reckless love and, you know, the lyrics, it goes, does that do it? Does that reflect who God is? Um, yeah. And I think, you know, when you came out with Sovereign Love, you make that adjustment to say, look, we're depraved sinners. But as you said in Romans 5, 8, for God shows his own love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's in it's because we're sinners that God has to come and to rescue mm -hmm. us. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I heard um, one time. um it was like on a different topic, I guess. I was talking about like idolatry. Um, but the, the guy was explaining how we can, ha we can fall into idolatry by having a false idea of God, right? And he gave a really cool analogy that really stuck with me. And, I, and, and it's kind of the same thing that I, I think about when we think about songs, which is, he's like, imagine that I gave my wife a painting on our anniversary uncovered it and you know my wife is blonde but it's a black lady black hair you know my wife's like a painting of me it's like yeah it's your it's your, it's our anniversary present i got a beautiful painting of you it's like would that not be offensive mm -hmm. and worse she says, but that's not what I look like. It's like, well, that's how I think you look like. Like, that's how I imagine you. And so it's this kind of the same concept with, with, with the songs. When we're singing to God and singing about God, when we make those mistakes, it should be it, we should feel that weight of offensiveness of, man, we really need to get this right. Like, and that's where I feel... Um, I mean, this guy, that's his life, you know, he's, a, he's dedicated to write Christian music, you know, whatever you want to, uh, however you want to label it, but that's his career. And it's like, do you not have the time to study a little bit more, to read the confessions, to know what Christianity really believes historically before you write this stuff and make it go viral and before it's sung all over the planet. I mean, that to me is kind of irresponsible, you know? Yeah. It's like, man, we should be more fearful. I mean, right. just like you said, just like a, like a pastor should be fearful about preaching, you know, really representing the truth of God. I mean, we are teaching the congregations through, through, through music, through the songs. And ultimately, you know, it's about glorifying God. So, yeah. 
Yeah, and that's the one of the things, like when I've had this conversation with people, I use a different analogy. I like that one. Um, I usually use an analogy of you write a poem, like a poetry for an ex-girlfriend, and then you want to give something to your, your wife for her anniversary, and you're like, here, you just change the name in the poem, and you, you give it to her. And then she finds mm. out, wait a minute, you, you wrote this for an ex-girlfriend, and you just changed the name and gave it to me? That would be offensive. Um and I, and I think when I've had this conversation with people and I've tried to explain this to them, a lot of times they'll say, well, you're just trying to be nitpicky or, you know, the song makes you feel good. And, and that's, that's really what it comes down to is that feel good, that emotional yeah. response to things. But I, and trying to be as gracious as possible because I don't think everybody's intentions is, is I just want to misrepresent God. But, you know, as I was saying before the show, I think as Christians, we should have more of a reverence for God. We should have a... a a, a, a good godly fear of God and a and a yeah. desire to not misrepresent him through whether we're writing a, a blog, an article, whether we're, we're writing a song. If we're putting something out there for the world to, to learn from or to be edified from, then we want to be doing our best to not misrepresent God. Um, and instead of just, I think, being comfortable in those things, people that have that kind of responsibility should be more responsible, like you said, and not just be um, doing that, just throwing it out there and they're making a career out of it and everybody's singing their stuff. Because let's, let's just be honest, like I said, when I listened to the song before the show, uh, the Reckless Love song, I'm like, I can understand why people get behind this and they like it. It's yeah. catchy. Um, and, and the same thing goes with many of the songs from Hillsong and, and a lot of these groups, Jesus Culture, a lot of people like them. And it's it's... When you listen to the music, you're like, oh, this sounds good. I can understand why they would get behind it. But if you're really listening to the lyrics and saying, but are they representing Christ well in their songs? And if they're not, honestly, we should toss those things out. And yeah. and I think either you go back to hymns, but I also think that you can write new stuff. And we have artists out there. We have Christians that can um, be truthful with who God is in song and and we've seen that uh we, we've seen that yeah. with with your um you know uh sovereign love song of putting tr- uh, true the- theological truths in there we've seen it with we mentioned shy lynn and many of those other guys from lamp mode uh that have done that with their uh genre of music you know we see it with uh, uh sovereign grace music that they they play or the gettys the gettys are writing mm-hmm. modern day hymns all the time and it's good music good artistically done but also theologically sound. Right. I think, I mean, and that's so important that we get it right too. Um, you mentioned that uh, great weight uh, that should be on, on these people uh, writing these songs. Um, the way we sing songs is, um, is like, it's like a catechism. It, the re- repetition over and over, it gets, gets, gets into your mm-hmm. mind. And um, even uh, Colossians 3.16 uh, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness and God uh, to God in your hearts. Um, and so we see that that when we write a song, it's not just to be catchy, though. I mean, catchiness is is a fine thing and it's a beautiful God made notes and he made them beautiful um, for us and for his glory. But it's also. Um, especially in corporate worship, um, there's a, a teaching element to it as we worship. And um, 
and I think all the more reason to to have that correct doctrine. So that thing that gets stuck in your head, it's like um, you have. The, I, I know when I was younger, there'd be people that say, "Well, I don't listen to the words; I just like the music." But then somehow you 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 say something like that, and you have the uh, all the words memorized, you know, and then then you can recall them and and then ponder them. So um, I think it's a very important teaching tool and important to get right. Yeah. That's why no one knows the third verses to all the hymns. Nothing. That was a good one. I, I, I got it. <laughs> in Baptist, <clears throat> in Baptist circles, you sing the first, second, and fourth verse of every hymn, because the oh. third hymn just it just takes too long. So you, you cut out the third, the third one. one. I'm not in those circles. So I... Well, reform reform Baptist circles don't do that. Not right. I shouldn't say all. I've been Reformed churches. They they've sang every single hmm. Reformed Baptist ones. I'm just saying all twelve verses of "Just as I Am." <laughs> we don't sing that song. So, um, um, Leonardo, <clears throat> thinking it through. Obviously, you've done this one. Um, um, have you? I mean, you entertained the idea of doing other songs have you do you have like a short list of songs that you wanted to uh, change the lyrics to make them more fitting um more biblical not really (laughs) i mean i've i've done it like we have a we have a you know a whole list of songs that we've tweaked um for the church that we, you know, do at the church, but we're actually kind of on a, on the, on the road to just not doing any of that. Just sticking to, at the end of the day, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm coming more to the conviction, even within the church setting is like, why promote, you know, this stuff and, and why not write new stuff or promote people who are actually worth following, you know, that we know are more trustworthy and, you know, doctrinally solid and, um, so I don't know, we're, we're kind of pushing towards, the, towards that route in, in the church context, but no, I mean, I really just want to write original stuff. Um, that's what we're working on finishing up. I have another, uh, like four, four songs. It's going to be the five songs on Ephesians. Um, so the last one's going to be Ephesians five and six merged together, but, but yeah, that's what we're working on right now. Now, with, with the genre of music that you're doing, a heavy metal um, genre, what is some of the, in that, um, how, do, how do I put that, uh, sphere of influence, the people that are more into to the, that kind of music, um, what is the feedback that you, you get for, in the Christian circles towards heavy metal? Is there a lot of good heavy metal Christian bands out there? Um, because again, it's not it's not a genre that I've I've uh, listened to much. So I'm just wondering, mm. like, is there a, a a large group of people that are looking for more theologically sound heavy metal, or is there some out there that you know of, like bands that are already doing it? Yeah. Oh man, I mean, I don't know, honestly. I mean, I bet I bet there is, um, you know, because there's. You know, you have Skillet, um, 
I think I think red claims to be Christians, but it's kind of more not so explicit. And I think they have more, I guess, in their minds, it's more of an ev- evangelistic kind of approach, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, you know, a softer approach and trying to, you know, seeing if, if, if somebody clicks and then, you know, that could that could serve, which I mean, it's, it's just a different approach. Um, and I'm trying to go for more, you know, explicit and kind of more focus to the to the church, not so much outsiders. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, honestly. Like I, I can't think of a, a specific band or anything. I know this guy. I, I saw this guy. I don't know if you guys heard of uh, Ben Dixon. No, I'm not familiar. Yeah, I saw some of his stuff. It's it's it's, it's pretty cool stuff too. Um, I mean, he's he's not like a a famous, uh, you know, bigger uh, artist or anything like that. But I mean, he's doing pretty much kind of the same stuff, and he's 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 good. He he plays all instruments sings and he has a couple he has a couple covers and stuff on youtube it's cool so what what's the process so i know you got the the fusions uh project um what's the process you go uh go through either either adapting scripture or or even writing a fresh song like uh to come up with your lyrics and all that how's that how's that process uh how do you Take us through that process. The kind of like the the recording process. Uh, the, yeah, the or, writing or, music. Yeah, writing writing it all just from beginning to end. What's that look like? Yeah, um, I mean, I kind of um, I always start with music. Um, and so I have I have a couple of tracks um, that I've been recording over the years and um, and kind of just adding on to. And I just listen to it, and for some reason, I'm like, "Oh, this one's going to be Ephesians three. Like, I just kind of <laughs> feel like it fits. Yeah, or Ephesians four, etc. And uh, but but lyrics, um, I guess just kind of there's there's some at least in the 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 ones that I'm working on right now. There's some stuff that's pretty just like, man, this is kind of like pretty much a paraphrase of kind of more line for line, trying to paraphrase uh, truths and stuff, and. At some at at some other points, it'll be just kind of like singing the concept of the truth, and not so evident. But you'll be like, "Oh yeah," and I'm trying to uh, kind of just show the um, you know the verses that where I'm where I'm driving these thoughts from to kind of show that, and I want that to be kind of the thing always, where it's like, you know, well, why why are you singing this? It's like, well, I'm making reference to the truth that's found you know, in this part. And, um, but it's, it's, it's kind of, for me, it's more of coming up with a melody kind of thing, you know, feeling kind of finding a range where I'm comfortable and I feel it goes well with the part of the song and I'll come up with melody, you know, and, um, then I'll fill, start filling, filling in the melody with words. And sometimes it's complicated. (laughs) It's just kind of like, because there's a part where, you know, you want the lyrics to, to be, you know, on point. And maybe that, you know, looking at the chapter or looking at the verses, like, man, there's just so much in there. But the melody that I have is just, you know, it only fits five words, for example, per line, which rap is perfect for that. You know, you could just like boom, 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 shoot out, shoot out as much, you know, as many lines as you can with singing this little bit you know, limited in that sense, but 
it's it's fun, man. My wife is super helpful. Yeah, She's, she yeah she plays, uh, she plays the piano, sings, and um. So sometimes I get stuck, and she's I'm just like, hey, I kind of have these words. Can you try to come up and sing some something with it? Because I don't like maybe I came up with a melody, but I didn't like how it sounds. A lot of it comes to when I actually record. I'm like, nah, this doesn't sound good. I thought it was cool, but it doesn't sound as good. So I have to change the melody. So Daphne, my wife, Daphne, she really helps just like looking at just coming up with something fresh ears and, Hey, what if you did something like this? It's like, Oh, that sounds cool. Mm-hmm. So, so is it just you two or the, just you two? In the, yeah. In the um, well, I have a, I have a friend who I actually used to play with in the band that I was telling you guys about. Um, he was a drummer. And so there's some times where I'm just like, and he, he, he's a Christian now too um yeah i'll just be like dude i need i need i need you to because i have something in my i i I love playing drums but this guy's just he's a master that's like he's just insane good so when it comes to certain parts um and certain ideas that i have i just you know he comes over and it helps me out um but yeah musically speaking um i'm i'm kind of doing more uh, pretty much all the music and you know there's like strings or stuff like on the keyboards or whatever very specific like piano or something Daphne helps me with that kind of stuff too and the other guy helps me with the with the drums and those kind of since it started kind of as as a hobby and it was just kind of I mean it still is you know so you do I mean so you do the the guitar and the the bass is that what you play yeah, and then so you have to you have to record those individually, and then mm-hmm. you have to like mix that together to make it. Yeah, uh, that just to me that would seem complicated. I guess obviously if you know what you're doing, but to try to put them all together. Um, yeah, I kind of go back and forth because I I kind of write since I mean it's kind of just it's it's just me in a sense. Mm-hmm. I write and record at the same time, kind of thing. So it's not like the band where everybody's playing and coming yeah. up with stuff. And then it's like, oh, let's go to the studio. I'm actually writing and creating the music as I'm recording. So mm-hmm. grab the guitar and come up with the riff. It's like, oh, let me put some drums to that. Like the the Ephesians 2 track, I recorded the drums to that one. And so it's like, but it starts with like just a musical idea. It could be either a synth or the guitar. And then I'll just start building. And it was like, okay, what, what should the next part be? And I might switch over to the bass, you know? And then it's like, okay, now I go to the guitar. So it's just like bouncing back and forth, kind of building on top of, um, you know, whatever the whatever the song is revolving around. Yeah. So. But you do you lay things over, right? So like, if I don't even know if that's the the technical term for it, but like if you had bass and guitar going at the same time, um, you put that over top of it so that it all sounds like it's a whole band. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. I'm not musically. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's just called multi-track. So you'll have uh, one track. You'll record one track, and then under it, you'll record the other one, and and it's obviously all stacking on top of each other and sounding mm-hmm. all together, and and then I will mix it. I mean, I'm not an expert or anything at that, but um, so yeah, just record here at the at the. I just kind of set up a studio and and getting all that stuff done here. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, We've come pretty much to the end of the program here tonight uh, on G220 Radio. We want to thank you for coming on the program. Um, is there anything that we could pray for you 
for. Um, I know it's a tough time for a lot of people right now, you know, in, in the world going through uh, the COVID crisis, but uh, not sure maybe what you're facing down there in, in Mexico, but is there any, yeah. any prayers requests that we could pray for you as a, as a radio program? Um, oh man, well, I mean that, that the Lord would, you know, just continue to work in my life and, uh, guard my heart, uh, keep me humble, I don't, you know, in, in everything. And, you know, you'd complete the work that he finished, just continue to strive for the Lord and, um, in everything, you know, family as a husband, as a father, you know, absolutely. We'll definitely keep you in our prayers. Uh, where, where can people find you? I know you mentioned on Instagram, uh, there's a YouTube out there, Facebook, where are some of the other places where they can find your, your music? Yeah. So, um, yeah, just Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, I started up a Patreon and I have, have a song on, on Bandcamp. So, so those are kind of the only things, but I mean, I only have one song up right now. <laughs> I think what I'm, we're going to start, we actually just kind of switched the plan and rather than, instead of releasing a whole EP and waiting until we're done, we're just going to do more of a track by track thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So hopefully by next week we'll have pretty much done. I just kind of screwed up my, um, something happened weird. I started doing some screaming and something that just got a weird pain. I was like, dang, I've never felt that before. Um, so I had to chill out because we had church on Sunday. So. Yeah, I was like, I'm not going to risk it. <laughs> well, we're we're some street preachers. We go out and preach on the streets. And I've had some friends that actually, you know, like uh, messed up their their vocal cords, not mm. permanently, but like they, they strained it or whatever. And they had to take a break for a while, because I guess, you know, when you're lifting up your voice and and with, with the music, you know, there's parts where, like you said, you're getting screaming and, you know, yeah. yelling or whatever it may be in that that uh song and it's like yeah that could really pull some of those those vocal cords yeah man so all three of you are street preachers um let's uh, well me and nathaniel preach and nathan yeah. uh, mike is uh more of a one-on-one guy um it's cool yeah, yeah. cool i wanted to get something that, like that going down here mm-hmm. that's awesome yeah so well, we, we appreciate you coming on the show. We'll definitely keep you in prayer, and we'll be looking forward to when you release some more of those uh, songs on Ephesians. Uh, we'll definitely be uh, listening into those. So thanks again for coming on the program tonight. We really do appreciate it. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. God bless. Well, that's been G220 Radio for tonight. Hope you enjoyed the program. Until next time.